Welcome to the Echo Church Podcast. Echo is a group of people in Cincinnati, Ohio, who love Jesus, love hanging out, and are navigating the ups and downs of our faith together. We're glad you're here. So do you have those Christmas movies that you watch every year? Do you, got, do you have your list going? You've got the classics, like White Christmas. I love it. I'm going to try an interactive version of watching White Christmas today. Sam told me about it. Apparently, they throw snow. There's lots of things going on. Well, I'll let you know my review. I like Grinch, the original cartoon, and I like Elf. My shirt is all about Elf today. Now, all of these things, they have in common some music because I feel like the best Christmas mu- movies have music to them, right? So, like, the best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Well, I tell you the one that some people like, and I'm just like, mm, not my favorite. Christmas Carol, it's a little, it's a little creepy for my taste, kind of scary. I don't really like ghosts. But if I'm going to watch any version of the Christmas Carol, it's going to be The Muppets. Because, thank you, yes, fans in the crowd. Because Muppets. And also, they're funny. And they bring a little humor to the scary ghosts. And it's a musical. They are occasionally breaking into song. Now, this is the 30th anniversary of the Muppets Christmas Carol. And today, starting today on Disney+, Plus, you can see the full re redone in 4k version and there's some song that they cut that they're now put back in so today's the day to find the full version online and to celebrate this entertainment weekly wanted to do an interview with the muppets about their movie making experience and they got brett goldstein from ted lasso to conduct the interview go find it online it's cute um brett is a super fan of the muppets and he in his stand-up comedy routine once he performed in six minutes all of the songs from the Muppets Christmas Carol find that on YouTube also very funny he did it as a fundraiser but in the interview he asks Kermit and Miss Piggy that is he a little frog over his shoulder do you guys remember Robin he's the one that plays Tiny Tim in the movie and he told he admitted to Robin that he cries every time he hears the song from Tiny Tim because it's heartbreaking. And that's the thing about songs and any musical that you'll come across is that they're supposed to express characters' feelings, right? All the inner workings of someone's heart is supposed to be expressed in song. And the new Apple TV Plus movie, Spirited, it is a playoff Christmas Carol. We've got Will Ferrell, Ryan Reynolds, Octavia Spencer. And each of them get their own, like, solo, expressing how they feel. But they kind of mock it and at one point cut somebody off and be like, you know, we've heard enough from you. And so they make fun of the genre. But did you know the name for that? Like, when, when a single character has a solo sharing the depth of their heart, do you know what it, people call it? It's an I want song. Because you're basically trying to express what you want out of the situation. And I heard that term just a few years ago when Moana came out because I was reading how Lin-Manuel Miranda wrote her I Want song. And I was like, oh, it is called, it's called an I Want song. He's like, he was trying to figure out just the right words to express all the things that she was going through. And he's like, it was a challenge to try to take this character 
because her I want song was all about, I love this place I live, but I feel this calling to something bigger than myself. Today, did you know in scripture, there is an I want song in the birth story of Jesus. And a person is going to talk about something bigger than herself in song. We are in our Christmas series called Hark. And we are looking at all the ways that surrounding Jesus' birth, there involves music. We began in Isaiah where there was a hymn about a baby foretold who would be wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. And then last week, we came to a pause, a dramatic pause in our song. Because when Joseph received the news of baby Jesus, when he had a call to be the adoptive father of the Son of God, he learned about this in sleep, in silence. And in his silent night, he had to come to terms with his role and his responsibility. And now, this week, we've got Mary. And when she receives the news, she busts into song. It is like a musical, I tell you. I don't want to just put musical, I mean, I talk a lot about musicals. But I, I have a point, right? Scripture right here is going to be our musical for the day. And I promise I won't sing any of my sermon for you. Let's turn to Luke chapter 1. And I'll begin reading in verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How can this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she was said to be unable to conceive, and is in the sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. We'll talk a little bit more about angels next week. But the appearance was rather intimidating. And most people who have an encounter with an angel are, like, afraid. Like, their first response is, like, woohoo, what's happening? So that was Mary's first response. But every time I read this, maybe this shows my personality, I don't know. But I always think of all the, all the things that must have been going on in her mind before she spoke out loud. She's got worries that that she's dreaming, maybe this isn't even real, and concerns that no one else will ever believe when she tells this story, that she talked to an angel, fears over how she is going to go try to convince Joseph that this is real, maybe stress over the thought of suddenly being a parent when she wasn't planning to be a parent yet, and also parenting the Son of God. 
perhaps maybe there's even a moment of a little bit of like, hmm, a little disappointment, that this changes everything of what she imagined for her own future. So I'm not trying to be negative, but those are just all the, like, the very human concerns. And she is a human person. So I can imagine that even though we see her speak out loud, we have to dig through that maybe she wrestled with just what we were looking at last week with Joseph. Can I trust this? Can I trust that this is real and this is God's plan? Can I really do it myself? Can I trust myself in this? Can I trust that we can do this as a team, Joseph and I. Maybe when she's holding a sleepless newborn, she's like, can I trust that I will ever sleep again? So all of this went on in their minds. We can only imagine. But what we see is the action. And just like Joseph, immediately after hearing from an angel, he acted. Mary also just said, may it be. May it be what you said. Their attitude was, it's not about me. Because all of those worries and, and fears and things that came to my mind, well, that's very personal, right? That's how I would react in the situation. And so, humanly, they had to step beyond that into, okay, I'm going to say yes because this is bigger than me. It's not about me, it's about someone else. It's about God's plan and it's about humanity's salvation. It's all wrapped up in this, this action because it begins here. Them saying yes is our future because Jesus came into the world to redeem everyone. Now what Mary does next is she goes and visits this, her cousin to share this life-changing news. So I want to give a little bit of background about Elizabeth, who she was mentioned here in our scriptures we've already read. And there's more to her story. She gets her whole story told about her miraculous pregnancy um, earlier in Luke 1, if you want to read there. But the short of it is, Elizabeth was older, had always wanted to be a mom. And then Zachariah, her husband, was a priest. And he was visited by an angel, told they were going to have a baby boy. And that their son, John, would prepare the way for the Savior, for Jesus. So here, we know him by John the Baptist, if you've ever grown up in church and heard that name. That's the John we're talking about. John and Jesus, then that makes them second, first cousins, one strip, I don't know any of that. They're related, they're related, and when we see them interacting as adults, they are ministering, they are preaching, they are supporting one another, they are calling people to repent, even religious leaders of the day, they're very active, but it all began as tiny, vulnerable little babies. So let's look at these two mothers-to-be and how they encouraged one another. We begin with Elizabeth shouting a prophetic message from God. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zachariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women. Blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. 
So we might often hear of Elizabeth and know that she's John's mom or Mary's cousin, but she's a messenger of God here. She is the first person to call Jesus Lord, and she, is the, she gives a beatitude, blessings upon Mary, blessings upon the Lord. She speaks God's word. And in this setting where the Holy Spirit was moving, Elizabeth was yelling a message of joy, and Mary, she responds with her I want song. Here's our musical moment. In verse 46 we read, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their innermost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham, to his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. All right, that's a big song there. So let's dissect her I want song. Now, what is she saying? She's, she's basically singing like it's not about me. It's all about God. It's a reflection of Scripture. All of these pieces, if we look in the different sections of what she sang, it's basically different verses from what we know of as the Old Testament, the Scriptures that she would have heard as a kid. And so that's in her mind and her heart, and she just pulling verses together and making her own song out of it. In the same way you might sing something that you've had memorized. You can see pieces of Psalms in here. You can see pieces of 1 Samuel 2, which was a prayer from Hannah, who also was waiting on the Lord and hoping to be a mom. And so all these bits put together, and Mary connects all these ancient voices with her current situation because God is an ancient and future forward God. And Jesus was the fulfillment of all of these promises. But it's not just a lovey-dovey joyful song. Look at, these, look at these words. God's scattering the proud, filling the hungry because someone has kept them hungry, right? Bringing down rulers, rulers who were powerful but yet not good. He's lifted up the humble instead. This is action. God is doing active things. So Mary and Elizabeth, while they're getting together and anticipating sweet baby snuggles, they're also talking about revolution here, okay? God is bringing something new. He's redeeming. He's taking the things that are broken and he's bringing healing through Jesus because I really love the way that N.T. Wright, a New Testament theologian, I like how he words things, so I'm going to read a summary here. Mary and Elizabeth shared a dream. It was an ancient dream that one day Israel's God would do what he said to Israel's ancestors, that all nations would be blessed through Abraham's family. That's what Mary sang. But for that to happen, the powers in the world that kept the world in slavery had to be toppled God would have to win a victory over bullies, power brokers, the forces of evil, which Mary and Elizabeth knew 
all too well. And they, like so many Jews of their time, search scripture, soaking themselves in the Psalms and prophetic writings which spoke of mercy, hope, fulfillment, reversal, revolution, victory over evil, and God coming to rescue at last. I don't think I, I grasp that all of that is, is in that nice little song. Because this nurturing, birthing babies, feeding little toddlers, raising them up to grow, that, that was God. Birthing a new kingdom, developing the newness of his message through Jesus. God's kingdom would be spoken of by John, would be preached by Jesus. Would, the kingdom would arise when Jesus laid down his life but then rose again. God was doing something beautiful and redeeming and new and revolutionary for our lives, for the culture of the day. And Mary and Elizabeth were about to give birth to that revolution. Each week we have looked at music. We are looking at modern music. We've looked at songs and scripture and trying to connect it with the hymns that we sing every year. And we just sang Joy to the World. And our Echo Kids will actually be playing this on the handbells. That is their sheet music they're learning from. So come on December 24th at 6 p.m. Hear those bells. But if you think about it, I was looking through and Dylan and I were talking and we were picking out hymns for this whole series. And I was like, look at Joy to the World. It's finally one that doesn't talk about shepherds. So many songs Christmas talk about shepherds. Um, doesn't mention Mary or Joseph or wise men, anybody else. It's just about Jesus. And it's not about Jesus as a baby. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. We're talking about who Jesus is, his godship. Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. He rules the world with truth and grace. It's like Mary's song. It's singing about everything Jesus is going to become and all glory going to the Father. The joyful spirit here, and it matches the way that it's about God and not about us. It's not about me. From Mary and Joseph to Elizabeth and Zechariah, their lives, well, they lived counterculturally. They, they chose a giant commitment for the Lord, even when that would put a burden, a responsibility on them, even when that was intimidating. They were going to raise a prophet, John, raise a savior, Jesus, and raise them well so they could be kingdom shapers as adults. It's not about me. We said they were human, and that's a very human thing to have to, to say. And it's not easy, right? When something happens, the first thing we feel and think are we're with ourselves 24-7. When something happens in the world or immediately, I know how I feel about it. And then I have to take that next step to get outside of myself and think about how it's affecting someone else. Or take another step and see how God is moving and asking God to somehow use me to bring his redeeming love into the world as my response. 
Those are several steps that we all have to take. And hopefully those steps come quickly. Like if something happens in the world, you react, but also hopefully quickly you think about others, think about God's next, what he will be doing. But sometimes we're slower. I mean, somebody asks me to volunteer, I can immediately think of five reasons uh, I can't do it. But sometimes I say yes and know that I'm sacrificing for someone else. Sometimes you might think of eight other people who should go be friends with that person over there who would do a better job than you, but God might be wanting you to go say hello. If we can have this mindset of acting despite our nervousness, because it's not about me to try to step forward to someone else. And yes, we're allowed boundaries. We're allowed rest. Jesus took naps. He took breaks, but he lived his life sacrificially. And we have to also be reminded that saying yes to Jesus requires something of us. That's always the part that's hardest. What is it going to require? Because it's not just sitting. It's not just hearing his word, but we're called to act. We're called to live. We're called to look around and say, God, where do you want to use me in this beautiful kingdom that you've created? How can we live for Jesus? How can we say yes? It may not always play out the way we imagined, but that's, it's okay. It's okay because this journey with Jesus will turn out beautifully, lived for him, lived outside of ourselves, lived for one another, lived for God's kingdom. You know, it might even cause you to bust out in song occasionally. But it's going to be a beautiful piece that God has written. And I just want us to step into that. This season, this season's a lot about things. And it's a lot of busyness. But I hope you will take moments to connect with others, to connect with God, and know that everything he did on this earth, he brought to bring us together. It's not about me. It's about we. And I hope we can live as a community of faith, even when we're sick and at home, even when we're out in our jobs and it's a tiring Monday. I just pray for your strength and that we connect together and that we live for something greater than ourselves. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you for coming to earth in a vulnerable situation, entrusting yourself into the hands of human beings. We thank you for the example of Mary, Elizabeth, Joseph, and Zachariah. For human people striving to serve you in strange and large ways. We might not be called into such a big commitment, but you call us every day to step forward and to look around us and to see the needs of people made in your image. Help us to love them with your love this week. We thank you for wanting us to be part of your kingdom, wanting us to be part of your plan. 
We receive that honor and ask for your strength to live in your light this week. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for the gift of your attention today. If you ever want to join Echo Church in person, we meet on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. You'll find us at 1301 East McMillan Street. That's in the Walnut Hills neighborhood of Cincinnati, Ohio, just up the street from our city's beautiful Eden Park. Find out more about us on our website, echochurch.org. Have a great week.